You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to the Faith Roots Podcast. Good to have you with us. We're talking about a very, very important spiritual law. I call it the law of continuance. And uh, here you see the essence of it in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I've referred to this a few times so far in this teaching, but it's a scripture I think you ought to mark in your Bible and, and probably even commit to memory. It'll help you greatly. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If there's anything we know about God, we know that he's a finisher. Because he has great foreknowledge, he doesn't begin anything that he does not intend to finish. He sees every resource that is necessary to finish what it is that he has to do. Now, we're talking about how God began the nation of Israel. This has a huge impact on the faith of David later on. And I want to say something here about our faith. Our faith is not produced in one generation. You've heard it said that we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. And that's true. Sometimes we think that we have just done something amazing because maybe we've eclipsed the generation that came before us, and it should be that way. We should be building on what uh, that generation left to us. We should be improving on that. That's just the way it ought to be. Uh, You know, one of the great tragedies of our time, and I'm talking now in 2021, is we live in an age when the doctrine of presentism is so prevalent. And what that means is, We take the enlightenment that we have today, and some of it is good, some of it is not so good. It's uh, maybe a false enlightenment. But nonetheless, we take the enlightenment of today, the advances of today, then we look back into history, and we judge those who came before us by the standards of today. And uh, I think that's a big mistake. What we don't realize sometimes is that the great knowledge we had, we didn't come to this on our own. It is something that took years, in some cases decades or centuries, for us to gather and make a part of our belief systems. For instance, uh, when Martin Luther came to the realization that we are saved by faith and not by works, and he began to proclaim that message It was a hard-fought message. It was not readily accepted. He met a lot of opposition. Today, we take this without any difficulty whatsoever, but it wasn't the case when that truth was first birthed. It's typically that way when any truth is either discovered for the first time or rediscovered. And uh, it gets fought, and you have to fight to preach it, and you endure persecution to declare it, and so forth. And um, uh, that's why it's so very important to recognize that God does things in generations. The children of Israel were not begun with one man. 
Abraham had a number of sons, but only one of them was called to begin the chosen people. That was Isaac. And Isaac shall thy seed be called, is what God said to Abraham. He had Ishmael as well and several other sons through Keturah, his concubine. But Isaac was the one that God chose. Then we come to the next one. Isaac has two sons, and they are Jacob and Esau. Even then, God did not select both of them to begin this covenant people. He chose Jacob. There were things in Esau's character that weren't suitable for him to become the prince of the nation, the covenant nation. Esau was blessed by God, but he was not the one that was chosen by God to bring about the covenant people. So then Jacob comes along, has 12 sons, and in some ways, many of his 12 sons were as evil or as uh, corrupt, I, how do I want compromise is probably a better word, as some who came before them, but they were all chosen. This, this shows something about the election of God, that God chooses people not because of where they are at the moment, but of what they can become, and he sees something in them that they are capable of repenting and they're capable of changing. And so God may call them and show mercy to them even before uh, they have their turn. And so this is the law of continuance. And you see evidence of this now in the book of Exodus, because we have a group of people who are descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are the Hebrews. They're the children of Israel. They are in Egypt. Many of them have no relationship with God whatsoever. They don't know anything about God. They do not have the same walk with God that their father Abraham had. Yet God is going to show mercy to them because of the covenant that he made with their forefathers. So I want to read to you about how they came out of the land of Egypt, what God did to bring them into freedom. And I'm looking at uh, the book of Exodus chapter 12, uh, verses 35 36. This is something that God told Abraham would happen 400 years before it actually did. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. And the Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. And this was only fitting because the Egyptians had become very wealthy because of the slave labor of the Israelites. And they had forgotten that it was indeed an Israelite who had saved the nation of Egypt, and that's in the person of Joseph, who was able to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh and, and put into place a food distribution program that would ensure Egypt could survive during seven terrible years of famine. Egypt forgot all of this. They returned evil for good to the people <clears throat> who had been such a blessing to them. Now, Pharaoh was dead set, dead set on destroying these people once he agreed to let them go. And uh, he was totally blinded, totally blinded by his hatred. He made decision after decision that did not make sense. He made decisions that hurt his people. And that's what happens when someone falls into the blindness of sin. They, it isn't that they don't see, they don't want to see, and they can't see the, 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 the path of truth. They just don't see it. They are so bitter and, and bound by their darkness. So 
<clears throat> when the children of Israel left, here's what God did. He set something up to deal with Pharaoh, and it's part of this covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahirot, <clears throat> between Migdol, which means fortress, and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Now God had a purpose in bringing them to this place called Baal Zephon. It was across the Red Sea, but God wanted to show Baal Zephon, the Lord of the north, uh, he wanted to show him that he was indeed the one true God. Pharaoh will think, God said, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart. He will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So they took a turn and went down to a beach on the Red Sea where they were hemmed in by the mountains. There's no way of escape. It was a box canyon that led into a beach in a flat area big enough to hold all the children of Israel. And so they went there. And uh, we read about how that Pharaoh came after them with his chariots, and there was great fear in the camp of the Israelites. And so this is what God said to Moses to do. Uh, verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, turned it into dry land. God told him, stretch out the rod, and he did. And uh, so he turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Actually, the Psalms tell us that God dried out uh, the bottom of the sea like a park when they went across. It was an amazing miracle. The Egyptians pursued them. Now this is the blindness of Pharaoh. Uh, he fully knew that this was a miracle of God, and yet he's going to defy it. And all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord... <clears throat> looked down from the pillar of fire at the cloud and the cloud and at the Egyptian army, threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. This is interesting. Both times God made Moses a part of his miracle, said stretch out your hand. Both times, uh, and both times the sea responded to what Moses did. This shows me that God works in partnership with people. God chose to work in partnership with people. God gave Adam dominion in the earth. And because of that, he respects the dominion he gave to people. He includes us in his partnership. Now, this is really ridiculous. Uh, it's not difficult to stretch the rod over the sea. That's all Moses had to do. And then, of course, they had to march down into the bottom of the sea uh, the way that God had led them to go. But uh, it, the partnership is really almost unfair. God, God is doing all the work, uh, but God does require that we show some obedience. And so uh, that's something you'll see in all the way God deals with us. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Uh, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. At daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it. And the Lord swept them into the sea. And the water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. Now, the Cecil B. DeMille movie shows that Pharaoh did, but he didn't. Uh, but the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. 
That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord had displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. Now, what you see in all of this is that God is remembering the covenant that He made with Abraham, fulfilling everything that He said uh, with Abraham. Moses was led by God to take the people to this place of showdown to put an end to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh didn't have to die like this. He could have remained behind in Egypt, but he was so filled with hatred that he sealed his own doom. This is what blinded people do. They will not relent. So when God judged Pharaoh... He not only brought death to Pharaoh, and, and I, I have you know a lot of people in wanting to be positive about God will say, well, God didn't kill Pharaoh. Well, yes, he did. God outright killed him. God drowned him and every bit of his army. You couldn't say that God did anything different. God killed him. But I want you to see that it's an act of mercy. Here's why. Because these Hebrews that Pharaoh is chasing have a promise from God that has to be fulfilled. They are going to eventually, be 1,500 years or so, but they are going to bring about the Messiah. The Savior of the world is coming from people who are in that camp. And so uh, the bloodlines that will produce Messiah are there. Yes, there's going to be a virgin birth, but the virgin has to come from the people of Israel. And so when God judged Pharaoh, he saved the world. And these covenant people were then preserved. Every nation around, any king or kingdom who lived in this area, dared not touch the Israelites because of this miracle. And when you come to the story of Jericho, 40 years later, you see that even then the people of Jericho were terrified of the Israelites because of what God did here at the Red Sea. There's only one group of people who dared to attack the Israelites while they were in the wilderness, and they came upon them from behind, and that would be the Amalekites. And the Amalekites were, were cowardly. They attacked the weak flanks of the Israeli army. They hit the women, the children, and the older people who had a hard time keeping up and, and moving. And so there was a special curse upon them because they knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that God had delivered Israel supernaturally. And then they said, we're going to attack them anyway. They had no regard for the favor God showed. Later in the Gospels, Jesus would say that you could blaspheme the Father and you could even blaspheme the Son, but if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit... Uh, that's a sin that would not be forgiven you. And uh, you have to examine the context of all of that and where he said that to really catch the full meaning. It is the unpardonable sin. What is the unpardonable sin? The unpardonable sin is when you see a bona fide miracle of God that gives God glory, that is consistent with His character, that brings redemption, that brings something good, that brings healing, and you in turn call it a work of the devil. That is what the enemies of Christ did. When He healed, they, they couldn't deny that it was a healing. So they had only one recourse. They had to come back and say, this is the work of Satan. That, my friends, is the unpardonable sin. People who see a genuine work of God 
where it is undeniable. There's an undeniable supernatural display, not just undeniable good works that a church does. We do all kinds of good things as churches uh, that are not necessarily miracles. That's not in play here. What is in play is when a genuine miracle happens and it's undeniable and someone comes along and says, that's the work of the devil. That's the unpardonable sin. God can't help people like that. Now, for this reason, in Exodus 17, 16, the Lord has sworn that he will have war with Amalek from one generation to the next. So <clears throat> this is what you see, this law of continuance. One thing that is interesting, and uh, we're going a little long on this, but I, I feel like I need to add this. It's Esther 2, 5. Now in Shushan the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Uh, when you read the book of Esther, you see the hero of the book of Esther is a man from the tribe of Benjamin from the family of Kish, the family of Saul. His name's Mordecai. And Saul, if you remember your Bible, uh, Saul did not destroy the Amalekites the way that he was supposed to. So later, one of his descendants would have to deal with the Amalekites again. The people who wanted to destroy the Jews in the Persian Empire were Amalekites, or the people of the royal family of the Amalekites, the Agagites. And so they wanted to destroy uh, the children of Israel. But here we see this man of the tribe of Benjamin, of the family of Saul, rises up and he does the right thing. And so that shows you something great about the mercy of God. God shows mercy. Let me tell you why. Because sometimes the people of the next generation become God-fearing and they become faithful. Well, <clears throat> that's all the time I have for today, but we'll pick up here tomorrow. Hey, be sure and hit that like button for me if you would. See you tomorrow. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.